Hey, welcome to episode number 69 of More Than Bread. I'm Dan Nold, your host, Bible reader, and scripture explainer. I'm also a pastor. And, and you know, one of the reasons we're making our way through Mark is because as we restart this podcast, it's been almost a year since my last run of episodes. It seems this year especially, coming out of two years of COVID, we, we needed to just take some time to simply ponder Jesus to look together at Christ, to maybe even see him again for the first time and allow ourselves to be amazed. I mean, Jesus is the reason why we gather and Jesus is the reason why we scatter. Jesus is the reason why we love and the reason why we have hope. It's not just the gospels that give us the opportunity to saturate our souls in Jesus. He's all over the place in the New Testament. He is the reason, the why, the motivating cause of everything that took place in the early church So as we read or listen or do both, we are listening to Jesus and and learning from Jesus. And and I hope we are leaning into Jesus. In in these next 30-plus episodes of More Than Bread, we're making our way through the Gospel of Mark. In the last episode, we started with an introduction to Mark. This episode is kind of intro part two. I'm going to read all of uh, or that first half of chapter one again at, at the end, but but the heart of this episode is verse one. So just listen to verse one. Mark says the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now the word gospel, I, I've said before, literally means good news. This is the beginning of the good news of the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The story of Jesus Christ is good news. It's gospel. If you grew up in the church, you've heard that word gospel. It's the heart and soul of our faith. The good news is simple, but it encompasses all of life. And Mark is telling us the good news of Jesus' story. So for this second intro to Mark's gospel, I'm going to give you three themes of the gospel. I'm going to bounce around to a few different scriptures in in the gospel of Mark, but but also throughout the New Testament to, to cover these themes. And the first one comes in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 6. If you're following along, I'll give you a moment to turn there. It's 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 6. But again, feel free to just listen. Paul writes these words. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Here is the first theme of the good news. It's done. At the heart of the gospel is an event that's happened. It's news about what Jesus has done, not merely advice on how to live. When I tell you news, it's about something already done. When I give you advice, it's about something I want you to do. The gospel is good news, not just good advice. Something happened in history. When it happened, it changed the world. If you believe it, it can change you too. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and then rose from the dead, Tim Keller puts it this way, 
Jesus lived the life you should have lived and died the death you would have died so that God would accept you just as he accepts Christ. You are not saved by the teaching of Christ. You're saved by Christ. Let me say that that sentence again. You are not saved by the teaching of Christ. It's not just a belief system. You're saved by the Savior. You're saved by Christ. You're not just saved by the truth. You're saved by the one who is true. Good news. It's done. Now, the second theme of the good news is welcome to the family. Uh, listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And I love these words. I've, I've gone back to them over and over again in the last couple of years. They give me so much encouragement. Here's what it says, and I love how it's written in the Living Bible. Here's how it, here's how it goes. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Long ago, before God made the world... God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes. Without a single fault, we stand before him covered in his love. I love that statement. I love that picture. You stand before God covered in his love. And his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And, and then again, I love this, this statement in the Living Bible it says, and he did this because he wanted to, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. The good news is God wants you to be a part of his family. Since the beginning of time, God has wanted you to be a part of his family. Before creation was even a gleam in the Father's eye, he, he's wanted you to be a part of his family. And through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, he made a way. He signed your adoption papers. Good news, you have a new family. Welcome to the family of God. And it seems like sometimes people stop at forgiveness, like good news, you're forgiven. You, you have a second chance. Life is not over. Hope is restored and you don't have to live with the guilt. But the gospel goes even farther than forgiveness. It's not just about forgiveness and second chances. It's about a whole new life as a child of God. It's about being radically loved, even though you will need more than just one second chance. The gospel is all about our adoption into the family of God. A third theme of the good news is that up there is coming down here. In other words, it's good news now. It's good news for life, not just good news on the other side of death. It's about a kingdom that has come now. The kingdom of God is here in our midst right now. It's a kingdom that brings an inversion of life and turns the world upside down. It's all about bringing what's up there down here, heaven on earth. That's why Mark writes in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. It's not far from you. It's near. So repent, and that word repent simply means to change your mind, to turn around, change your mind and believe the good news. See, this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven that is near, it brings about a radically new perspective of mind and a radically passionate commitment of the heart. And it's near, it's close by. You're not far. That's the heart of the gospel story. What was needed to be done has been done. So you can be a part of the family of God and you don't have to wait till you die to live your best life now. That's his story, the gospel story. So ask yourself, what's my story? A young pastor by the name of Jarrett shares his story. As he was growing up, his mother used to collect these very cool, very blue, very expensive plates. A new one came out every year, and her collection dated back to 1968. They were her pride and joy. 
hung on the wall with special holders, beautifully arranged near the door leading into their dining room. Well, one day Jared decided to show his mom how he had taught his dog Elvis how to play tag. Elvis wasn't supposed to be in the house at all, but Jared brought him in for the tag demonstration, and it was a good game. Elvis was a fierce competitor. He could handle those corners like a Porsche. And at one point, Jared was gaining on his dog, Elvis, but as he was making the corner from dining room to kitchen, he misjudged the turn and he hit the wall. Not the proverbial wall, the real wall. He writes, it stopped me long enough to turn around and catch the look on my mom's face as six, six of her collector plates freed themselves from the wall and committed plate suicide. (laughs) They broke into hundreds of pieces. They were ruined. My mom was crushed and I felt horrible. Now, I don't know, maybe you can resonate with that. You're thinking, that's the story of my life. Somewhere along the way, you misjudged the turn, you hit a wall, and, and you can just kind of picture around you right now all the broken fragments of life. Maybe it wasn't even your life. Maybe you broke someone else's. Your story is one of brokenness and regret, maybe even shame. Uh, like, you didn't just do something bad, but you are something bad. But when our lives intersect with the gospel, our brokenness gets redeemed and our story becomes part of Jesus' story. Jared's mom picked up all the pieces and decided that the only thing she could do was to put them back together again. It, it took a long time. But today, if you walk through his mom's house, you, you would see all the plates. Some of them, you can barely even tell that anything happened. But look at another one and you see a whole plate made up of a hundred broken pieces. You can still see all the lines and the cracks. But they're a reminder that something went wrong, but that someone cared enough to put the pieces back together again. The lines and the cracks become evidence of forgiveness and second chances, but the plates are reminders of a God who goes beyond forgiveness to make us whole, to to make us part of his family. This is good news. This is the gospel. Jesus died to make us whole. Listen to me. I don't care who you are. If you're listening to this, you are an absolutely beautiful person. You're loved by God. He's shaping you, making you. You're a beautiful soul in progress. That's your story. But you have to realize that beauty is found in the heart, and your story is written as you let yourself be loved by God. He sees every part of you, and he loves you, not because of what you do for him, how you act for him, or or succeed for him. He just loves you now. You're covered in his love now, part of his family now. The kingdom of life and love and joy is near, and that can be your good news, your gospel story. See, something happens when our stories intersect with the story of Jesus. Jesus is not limited by our brokenness. He's not limited by our isolation, our loneliness, our anxiety. He's the healer. He's the releaser. When the kingdom is near, anything is possible. So what's your story? Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.8, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Let me say that again. 2 Timothy 2.8, Paul writes, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. This is my good news. Paul's saying, Jesus is my story. Jesus raised from the dead. Remember the resurrection. Ponder Jesus. Don't forget to remember Jesus. So the next time you think about giving up, remember Jesus. 
The next time you're angry at God and you're questioning whether or not he really loves you, remember Jesus. When your story seems to be put on hold or worse, takes a turn for the worse. In tough times, heartbreaking times, times when the tears won't stop, when you fail, when disappointment is your only companion in an empty house, when your children disobey or rebel or run away or ridicule you and your parents don't have time to help you and fear moves into your guest bedroom and begins taking over your life, lean into Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember the good news. Remember the way his heart was moved with compassion. Remember the sick who were healed with weathered hands. Remember the way he always had time for the broken, the partiers, the down and out, the normal folk. Remember the power he had over the storms. Remember a love so strong he was willing to go through hell for you. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the end of our intro to Mark. Next time, we'll dive a bit more into Mark chapter 1. But as we close, listen again to the first part of Mark 1. And then I want to pray for you. I'm going to read it again in um, the New Living Translation. This is the good news. Verse 1, chapter 1. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Now the messenger was John the Baptist, and he was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized or show that they to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. My words, his baptism was for the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is so important. But remember, the gospel of Jesus takes us even farther. John's clothes, verse 6, were woven from coarse camel hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist for food. He ate locusts and wild honey. And he announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted, tried, tested. He fought Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Jesus and his companions went into the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. And suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the evil spirit screamed through the man into a convulsion, but came out of him. And amazement gripped the audience. They began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and Jesus they told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her hand, and helped her sit up. The fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. And that evening, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Let me pray for you. Father, whether like Andrew and Simon and James and John were ready to follow Jesus, or or whether like a a man who's possessed by an evil spirit or a mother-in-law who's sick in bed with a high fever, we just know how much we need Jesus. God, from need to follow, wherever we're at, each person listening, God, would you meet us where we're at? Jesus, we invite you in. We invite you in, and we ask that in the days to come, as we ponder you, as we think about you, as as we hear the stories and read your words, would you allow your spirit, the spirit of Christ, to be our teacher, to be our healer, to be our guide as we make our way through the gospel of Mark. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.